You're listening to the Fanboy Garage Podcast. Welcome to the Fanboy Garage. I'm Chris Lasanti, joined by my co-hosts, Vanana. Hey. And the lovely and talented Aaron Varola. Yo. What's up, folks? Uh, welcome to episode 101. So we got past the 100 episode hump. Now we're at 101. It's just 100 more episodes and more. Looking forward. Um, so glad you guys could join us again. Hope you're all well, happy. Enjoying the warm weather wherever you are, um, but you didn't come to listen to uh, meteorologist Aaron Rollo spit <laughs> poetic about the weather. You came to get the latest on fanboy pop culture news. So, and there's been some some big big things. There have been, and before we get into some of this stuff, though, just to to kind of update everybody, since we've been following the ongoing saga of movie theaters and when they're going to open and whatnot, um, and we talked about it last week. So it is official that New York City did enter Phase 2 uh, this uh, yesterday as we record this, June 22nd. Oh, right. So that means that movie theaters are now on target to open in New York City, barring something. I was going to say something unforeseen, but these days, that's <laughs> just... Who, everything I, is unforeseen. Everything right? is unforeseen. So, uh, but barring something unforeseen under normal circumstances, July twentieth is now still the target date for the theaters to reopen. So we should be good to go with um, you know Mulan and Tenet and all that stuff here in New York City, and obviously, well, hopefully across the rest of the country. But um, you know, there was um, a big story that came out that I actually thought we were going to be focusing a lot of our attention on here. And I even sent out a tweet about it, uh, I adding. Yeah, it was a- egging somebody on Aaron here because I thought we would probably disagree on the whole idea. And this was when the re- the rumor came out that we were going to get the Thomas Wayne Batman in Flashpoint, right? And it was um, yeah. Jeffrey Dean Morgan was yeah. you know, supposedly up to reprise the role of Thomas Wayne, and this brought on a whole conversation that I saw on Twitter about. Flashpoint and whether Flashpoint it should be the first Flash movie and whether this was going to be too confusing to general audiences and all this stuff. So I thought we were going to really dig into that this week. Right. And and originally, uh, back when they brought up the idea of Flashpoint being the Flash movie, my thought was like, yeah, I don't know. Is Flashpoint really the way you want to go for like your first Flash solo Flash film? Like, do you want to maybe go with a smaller story that introduces the character properly? He does have a pretty cool rogues gallery. Uh, Maybe just Mm -hmm. go that and then build to Flashpoint. But then, you know, now seeing, and that was, (laughs) that was a while back. But now even pre what we're going to get into uh, with the Thomas Wayne stuff and Jeffrey D. Morgan stuff, I, I was thinking, you know, I think that a Flashpoint movie, if you're doing a true, like, literal interpretation of Flashpoint, probably doesn't make sense right now for, like, general audiences and would be confusing. Mm-hmm. But but I think we have to stop looking at it in those terms. We have to start thinking about the idea that 
you know, similar to what the TV show did with Flashpoint, where you take the general concept of it, right, which is how you can alter time and alter life, basically, and things like that by, you know, going back in time uh, and applying it to a simpler story that can still be a Flash story, right, that can still, um, you know, give you get to the heart of the character. And uh, that cannot, does not have to be confusing to general audiences. Well, we could still talk about those themes, but a lot of this, that conversation went out the window only because now uh, the rap, which had the exclusive on this, reporting that Michael Keaton right. is in talks to um, reprise his role of Bruce Wayne and or Batman. Uh, in the and apparently, Flash apparently movie. that's a done deal. It, yeah, I mean, it looks like it's going to be a done deal, and yeah. and they also reported in it in that article that the Thomas Wayne uh, Batman is not in the film. Like that was in an early draft of the script, and that apparently has not been in the script for a while now. Uh, at least that's what um, Umberto uh, Gonzalez tweeted out that that like that hasn't been a thing for a while. So that whole story goes out the window. And the much bigger story though, is the one that a lot of people are excited about, including myself, that Michael Keaton is going to be back. He is now going to be, I mean, for lack of a better term, the DCEU Batman. And, and he's going to probably pop up in other films. And, this is going to be the beginning of like the multiverse on screen. I mean, we I so now all of a sudden that tease that we saw that little cameo during the crisis uh, on Infinite Earths uh, TV crossover where Ezra Miller's Flash met uh, Grant Gustin's yeah. Flash. Somehow that has a lot of weight now. It turns out that that probably wasn't just like a little cute thing to get people talking. Yeah, I heard. I forgot who it was. It may have been Jeff Johns that had asked for that to happen um or somebody somebody you know within the ranks of warner brothers had made made the play to make this happen for for the flash uh with this kind of idea in mind i mean look my head exploded when i heard the news about michael keaton coming back and then i was like my head started on scratch and i'm like how, how am i gonna do this shit and then i'm like oh yeah it's the flash um he could pretty much do anything, you know. They're gonna open up, open up the door to the multiverse, which I think is gonna be um, interesting. Apparently, he's gonna play some sort of mentor, uh, a figure um, for the Flash. And and to your point about you know the multiple film deal, like yeah, I think they sweetened the the pot quite quite nicely for Mister Keaton. Sure. Uh, to come to come in and and have some sort of uh, uh, larger role to play. Um, you know, across across this DCU. I, I, look, if there was any way to get people who are kind of down and out on one, the Flash, and two, the continuation of his story, you know, in the DC, this version of the DC universe, right? Like dropping Michael Keaton into the fray was going to be the biggest thing, and that was going to get that's going to win people over in a heartbeat. Yeah, so absolutely, and it it's been met with. So far, what I've seen is like universal acclaim and excitement. I see people coming out of the woodwork that haven't really been excited about. I mean, these are like, you know, people who grew up on Batman 89 or or Batman 89 was obviously a lot of people's first, you know, live action Batman. And they're all like now excited about the announcement. And, you know, for me, I mean, again, Batman is my favorite superhero ever. 
And Batman 89 is a movie that I rewatch. It's the Batman movie that I rewatch more than any others. Um, you know, followed by Batman Begins, probably. Uh, but mm. Batman 89 is a movie that I watch pretty regularly. It's one of those, like, it's a movie that if I'm down, that's one of the movies I throw on. Like, I just yep. love everything about that movie. And for me, it, it almost, like, not that it needed to be relevant, because it certainly doesn't, but now, like, I almost feel like there's a renewed relevance to Batman 89 and Batman Returns, a movie that I I don't like everything about, but I like probably more than a lot of other people do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's really exciting, and, you know, it's going to carry on the themes of, like, what Crisis was, the, the TV crossover, which was, it was yeah. like a love letter to DC. Sure. And there were, I mean, you saw, right, there were nods to the Keaton Batman in that. Oh yeah. 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 And so yeah, now yeah. you start to think like, what does this mean for Brandon Routh Superman? Like I already see a lot of people talking about wanting a kingdom come, you know, Superman thing on either HBO max or in theaters. And I'm, I'm all for that. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I read kingdom come for the first time 22 years ago and Damn you old. yeah. And for the last <laughs> 22 years, uh, I've wanted to see a live action adaptation of Kingdom Come in some way, shape, or form, and never thought realistically that it would ever be a possibility. And now so much is possible, right? I mean, we've blown the doors off of what is and isn't possible anymore. Um, and I, I just, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's great. And I love the fact that he's going to pop up in other films. I love the fact that, you know, they're saying that the, the Matt Reeves, you know, the Batman is going to now wind up being like the Joker, supposedly like Joker rather, where it's going to be its own thing. But I mean, if you're going to do a multiverse, I mean, why even limit things? Like there's no reason why anything has to be its own thing anymore. Like it can all be connected in one way, shape or form. And, you know, and I don't think it's going to be too confusing for people. Um, See, I I think, I think it's very confusing. Okay. You know, and Number one, we we all know that I'm kind of sick of Batman, right? I have to say. How dare you? So, oh my so god! Now, now that Jeez. it's gonna be like three, I'm like, off. Oh, I'm like, this. oh geez, I gotta keep track of so much. Um, although there definitely needs to be some sort of redemption to Ben Affleck's Batman, which that just needs to be done. Um, yeah. and uh, I think uh, Justice League, right? Yeah, and I think I, I, you know, when when they announced Pattinson, I was like, great, that's an excellent choice. I was very down with that choice. Now there's two more Batman's possibly. Uh, I I know we said uh, Keaton's a done deal. Morgan is kind of still a rumor, right? So, but if it is, we're adding to it you got to understand this alternate timeline. I think DC is trying to edge their way into this multiverse thing, which I appreciate, but in the, in the very beginning, I think it's confusing. Um, but I think that move is going to open them up to a lot more possibility in the universe, which is great because they definitely need to do something different. Um, yeah, I just find the Batman angle kind of like, okay, here we go. Well, mm-hmm. so I'm excited about Keaton, though, but yeah, I mean, for me, I, I, I think and again, this is just an assumption based on where they're, you know, is that 
we're, we're going to get Zack Snyder's Justice League, and that's not an assumption. That's a fact, obviously. And I, I still think that that's going to be a very big deal. Like, it's going to be a much bigger deal. And especially now, right? I think it's now going to be an even bigger deal and a bigger event than I think even some people are, are giving it credit for. And by the way, they did announce that it's going to be released sometime in early to mid-2021. So, you know, probably first either quarter one or quarter two of 2021 or 2022 20 i'm talking about the justice league zach snyder's justice oh, league, oh, oh, sorry, 2021 sorry. yeah the flash is 2022 um but um i think that's going to be a huge event and it takes on more significance now uh because you know it's not just like a throwaway i think anymore but i i think that the flash movie is going to it's going to be the way to introduce people to that multiverse. So it's going to be the way where they sort of get around, you know, Affleck's Batman is gone. Now Keaton is the Batman and they're going to do that via the story that they tell, you know, the the fact that he's going to be jumping around and, and things are going to be shifted and timelines are going to be shifted and things like that. You know, a couple of friends of mine were talking about this on Facebook and they made some good points. You know, they were talking about how like it's not much different than what, like the Star Trek universe went through, right? Where you had uh, the J.J. Abrams Star Trek, the, what they call right, the Kelvin right. timeline. The Kelvin timeline merged with the original timeline. So like th- Chris Pine's Captain Kirk exists in the same multiverse as um, William Shatner's Captain Kirk. But mm. they were able to make those, and that was their really creative way of making a re- like a new a reboot basically of the original you know series characters but without saying none of that happened this is our version now we're going to try to replace that because you know and leonard nimoy's spock was the the thing that joined the two things together because leonard nimoy's spock was in those movies as kind of a mentor role to um you know that kelvin timeline spock so i think that if you and if keaton can assume that type of a role you know, where he becomes the glue, I think that that could work. And they also, you know, talking about confusion, you know, they also were saying how, and I agree with them, like if general audiences can watch a movie like Inception, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's no reason why they shouldn't be able to watch a movie like Flashpoint and be able to kind of piece things together. Um, mm. And, and you know, I think we talked about this a few episodes ago, but, you know, we've now seen like Joker, right? So we got we got um the Heath Ledger Joker and then you had the Jared Leto Joker and then you right. got um the Joaquin Phoenix Joker and like that Joker movie made a ton of money even though people, mm. you know, weren't really sure where it was going to fit. And now you right, have like another right. Batman movie going. So we've seen this now there's a there's a history for this that I think people are willing to show up for um just something that they think is cool. And I think that that Crisis on Infinite Earths deal, the TV crossover, is really can't be it cannot be overstated how I think important that has the role that's playing in this decision, Um, because it's a way to sort of unify, you know, the the fans of the Snyder direction and the Snyder universe with the people who were maybe even not big fans of that, but loved, say, Wonder Woman and Aquaman or whatever, and Mm -hmm. and are like 
love, you know, the Keaton, Batman, Batman 89 and all of that stuff. Like, it's a way to really unite the DC fandom because, <laughs> like, sure. there's a lot of us, like myself, right? I'm a huge DC fan. I've always been more of a DC fan than a Marvel fan. But, you know, if, if you listened to me talk about these DC movies, you wouldn't necessarily know that. And then there are people that are huge fans of this version of the, the Snyder version of the DC universe that maybe weren't as big of fans of some of the others. But this is a way to really right. unify a lot of that stuff and bring that fandom together and i think it's kind of brilliant um and and i mean I, it's 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 a beloved film so it, it makes total sense yeah right like n- nobody nobody that i know because i probably wouldn't be friends with them if they didn't say this but you know i've said that oh um i didn't really like keaton's you know keaton's take on batman like I'd, I'd, I'd like defriend you. I'd disown you. <laughs> I'd tell you to kick rocks. And okay, I didn't like Keaton's. Hair. Okay, so that's it, guys. We're wrapping the show. <laughs> All right, Bananas I lasted. Gone. I lasted two episodes. <laughs> um, no, Chris. Chris, you you made a really good point with the Star Trek point, and I like totally with you. Totally understand what they're doing. Um, but it's just, I guess, for me, maybe I'm adverse to change, but. Uh, it's not something I'm used to with DC, you know? And a part of me almost wish that they, it almost feels like to me they're like, okay, the Marvel formula and how they're doing things has been more successful in the past. So we're going to try and pivot and go in that direction. And I almost, part of me almost feels, and it could be wrong, that they are going that direction not because they're, like choosing to do so, but because that formula just works better. Does that make sense? I Yes. Although I'm not sure that what they're trying to do now with this multiverse is, I think what they were trying to do with the original vision for the DCEU was what was kind of replicate what Marvel had going where all these heroes existed in the same, you know, thing and they all, everything was connected and they were all telling one story to build to a justice league film. I actually think what they're doing now with this idea of a multiverse, and I know Marvel's going to be kind of introducing their multiverse with the Doctor Strange sequel and stuff, but I think what they're mm-hmm. doing now is it's bigger than what Marvel's doing. I think what DC mm-hmm. is doing now is basically saying we have all of these properties, we have all of this history, you know, we have comic books, we have movies that have been out for, you know, we have decades and decades of movies, we have this TV universe and it's all under one umbrella and we're going to use that as our strength and we're going to sit there and say, Hey, it's all on the table now and we're going to create a multiverse because we're going to basically say to our fan bases, if you're a fan of the CW shows, if you're a fan of what the original DCEU, the Snyder led DCEU was supposed to be, if you're a fan of, um, you know, maybe the, the other, like the more recent DC films, or if you're a fan that loved, you know, Batman, you know, the Tim Burton Batman movies and, you know, hasn't really followed much since like, they're going to give you, give everybody a way to kind of unify here instead of having like this polarizing deal where everybody's arguing over like, you know, which way to go. I think it's bigger. I, I don't think this is like a, a shared universe. Actually, I think that it, there's there's a very big difference between a multiverse and a shared universe because in a shared universe, you wouldn't have multiple Batman. 
at the same time. You wouldn't have multiple hmm. flashes at the same time. You would have, you know, your flash. You would have your... So, like, what Marvel's doing is a shared universe. And, yeah, they're going to implement... They're going to bring in... Well, we assume they're going to bring in things about their multiverse, but we don't really know how far beyond that Doctor Strange movie it's really going to get. And we know that they have the Sony Spider-Man universe and stuff like that, so they can kind of play around with it a little bit. But, I mean, I don't see a time where you're going to have, like, multiple Iron Men, you know, or multiple Captain Americas and things like that. Whereas with this, you know, you're going to have Joaquin Phoenix's Joker is going to live and breathe and be a thing. And you're going to have Matt Reeves' Batman is going to live and breathe and be a thing. But Keaton's Batman is also still a thing from the past, present, and future, you know? And you're going to have... You have a TV flash and a movie flash. They're both Barry Allen, but they now exist in the same world, you know, and and Brandon Routh Superman can still be a thing along with Henry Cavill's Superman. And I mean, to me, that's so massive and the potential there is so great that uh, I think that fans will be able to really pick and choose what they want and what and I think some of it is going to play out on HBO Max and some of it is going to play out in the theaters and some of it is going to play out on the you know they're they're just using their entire corporate structure right now to pull things from and pull what's great and I think that that's one angle that I don't know that any of us really thought about you know we were Mm -hmm. thinking about well is it better to just do like standalone films that lead to eventually could lead to something uh, or is it better to do a shared universe? But this idea of this massive multiverse that's going to consume movies, television, comic books, video games, you know, like it's its kind of, it's actually pretty awe-inspiring actually and could easily, very, very easily lead to something like a Kingdom Come um, film, which, I mean, that's really still 22 years later my goal. I still want them to get there, you know. Chris, your your enthusiasm and how much you're talking about this and making such good points is winning me over. Um, I just imagine someone walking into, you know, the pitch room being like, all right, guys, for Batman. Yeah. And everyone's like, what? And they're yeah. just like, just hear me out. Yeah. <laughs> and and it, look, if this is something totally just a fresh idea and it works, then it's going to be amazing and it's going to change a lot of things. Sure. Um, so either way I'm excited, you know, I'm playing devil's advocate earlier, but I'm excited to see how, how it unfolds. I'm I'm interested to see how this, because, you know, we're getting, um, Zack Snyder's justice league and there were rumors that Batman was supposed to sacrifice himself in that, you know, that five film arc, whatever it was. So I wonder if they advance that in this you know new version of Justice League where he dies and the Flash is in need for a mentor in need you know what I'm saying and so that's how they kind of kick kick it off and he discovers the the multiverse. It'd be interesting if they even folded some of the stuff that they did with the CW since we were talking about that yeah. uh, into into that film uh, to kind of talk about you know, the, the different, <clears throat> the different uh, universes that there are out there. So, and to your point about like that pitch meeting, I mean, I literally think Warner brothers is like, look, <laughs> we don't even care about the, the universe, the connective, the connectivity between these universes, like just give us a good story and, 
you know, I think um, that's probably what, what, what it is. They were like, hey, we want to do this. We think it'd be really cool to bring a Batman in there. And they're like, Batman? Well, we've got Matt Reeves singing. They're like, you're thinking so small. Yes. Multiverse. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, ah, yeah. I mean, okay. look, there so- was a time when, it, you know, they used to say, oh, well, you know, we can't have a Superman on TV because there's a Superman in the, th- in the, on the big screen right now. You know, and it's like, oh, well, we can't do a Batman show, live action show, if there's a Batman movie series and, you know, that we're in the middle of and things like that. And that's all out the window now, you know, because they did give you a Superman in live action while there was a, in theory, a Superman tied to the big screen universe. And now that Superman is getting his own show. And there's still going to be a Superman, obviously. Henry Cavill's Superman is going to pop up in, you know, probably Black Adam and Shazam and all of that other stuff. So you're going to have two Supermen, one on television, one in the movies. You know, you're going to have... So, I mean, this is... The days when they used to tell us that you couldn't have this because that existed right now, those days are over. And and there never made sense that you wouldn't take advantage of all of that. And, I mean, a big reason for my enthusiasm about this is because, you know, we've been doing this podcast now for, you know, just over two years. And, you know, and 100 now, one episodes. And for the most, for the majority of that time, I haven't been that enthusiastic about DC stuff on film. And it sucks because DC is my thing. DC has always been my thing. I, you know, I mean, especially Batman. I mean, I'm sitting here staring at Batman sneakers that I have and I have, you know, Batman Aww. slippers and Batman pajama bottoms. And I mean, I, all right, all right. Yeah. Well, breaks. yeah. Well, really <laughs> after last week where you don't, you revealed you never washed your hands ever. I'll be touching all your Batman paraphernalia. Yeah. Soon. You know, and I have, I mean, Superman, you know, I mean, there's pictures of me like as a kid and I never, Marvel was never my thing except for Spider-Man. And it's really exciting now that I'm excited that I can be excited about because I just feel like DC is really heading in the right direction and they're making a lot of good decisions. Um, And it doesn't really matter what their reasons are. I feel like they're making good decisions. And the fact is the conversation has completely shifted now. It, it's all DC right now. That's where the excitement is, and it's positive conversation about DC. I mean, we're, yeah, you're still going to have your debates over things, but for the most part, we're not sitting here talking about a lot of negative stuff when it comes to this these properties. And it's almost like, remember the MCU? Yeah, that was a thing, and it was cool. But, like, we're not talking about it right now. And it's still a thing, and I, I just, you know, as they start to enter this next next phase of their existence uh you know post iron man post captain america or at least the you know the steve rogers captain america um and they've taken this long break right partly because of covid and partly just because of the way their schedule fell but they've had this long break now it seems like it's been forever since there was a marvel film and those those disney plus shows have you know they got pushed back because of the covid stuff and in that time, all of this amazing stuff has happened with DC. All of the Snyder Cut got announced. This now is getting announced. And, and there's just so much excitement building for those properties. And I, I just feel like, you know, Marvel did their thing and it was really cool for what it is. Um, but this is something that lasts for me. I mean, like I said, I there are very few. I, I like most of the Marvel films, but there are very few that I watch repeatedly 
Um, whereas, I mean, I still, like I said, watch Batman 89 at least a few times a year. I still watch, you know, Batman Returns a few times a year. I still watch, you know, the Christopher Reeve Superman movies. I still watch Batman Begins and The Dark Knight over and over again. Um, you know, and even recently starting to rediscover, you know, Wonder Woman I watch a lot. Um, Aquaman is a movie that I'm going to be now watching a lot since I've kind of rediscovered it. Um, and Joker, you know, is not a movie I'll watch a lot just because of the the heavy themes, but it's a movie that I'm certainly not going to avoid, even though, I mean, I love it, but it's, it's not like a feel good movie that you throw on. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm just pumped about, I'm pumped about where they're heading with this thing. And I, I think that it's, um, I think it's going to be really interesting. I just don't know, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they use their different platforms. You know, and and how they eventually start to move things out, and and it'll be and to see how the CW shows do start to factor in. I mean, I think it could be a, a matter of like, you know, you might get like a little cameo. You know, maybe Grant Gustin's Flash makes a little brief cameo. You know, like in one of these like Flash films at some point as a little payback type of thing. Um, it doesn't have to be anything major. You know, like I don't think we're going to get a movie where there's going to be like two Barry Allens, you know, working at the same time. But who knows? Again, never say we're in the never right. say never times right now where <laughs> That's any true. Yeah. It, is, it is 2020. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. I mean, I meant. Yeah. I mean, literally, we're in the never say never times. You never know what's going to happen from one day to the next. But I mean, now that we're seeing, you know, the the Snyder cut coming out and, and who knows? I mean, we may get the air cut. Um You know, I mean, any of, of Suicide Squad. I mean, anything is possible. And D.C. now has. um coming out the what obviously wonder woman 84 this year and then next year they have you know the batman and they have the suicide squad and um and something else too um that they had on the uh shazam uh no i thought that was i thought that was 20 oh maybe it's 2022 i think was the flash and black adam and shazam but um <clears throat> But yeah, I mean, this is all, this is all really exciting, and um, we'll see where they go. I mean, Ron Diesel asked if uh, if Keaton plays a version of Batman in the Flash, do we want him to stay on as a future Bruce Wayne, or do we want him to just have a cameo and then have somebody else replace Snyder's interpretation of Batman? I mean, I it seems to me that I mean it, he's going to he's going to be the Bruce Wayne here at this point in this universe. And it looks like he's going to wind up being a mentor. Like you mentioned for either Batgirl or maybe it get, they wind up doing a Batman beyond movie. Mm -hmm. Um, and they start to get down into that. I know it's been a lot of people's dreams to have Michael Keaton playing an older Bruce Wayne in a Batman beyond film. And I certainly would sign up for that. Uh, no problem. Yeah. That's just, that's just awesome period uh because it's it's so cool how many generations you know it's it's going to cross and matter for uh i find the tv film connection very interesting in terms of what characters we might see in films or vice versa right you were just saying that and we started this conversation with you know that the theaters are going to open up soon but if we're all if the theaters don't do well, right? And I don't know, let's say we get a second wave or something and it's going to go virtual or on demand anyway. 
How do you guys think that's going to change the landscape? I do, mean, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't think we're going to get to that point, no matter what. I don't, don't see. So? I don't see them no. shutting things down again. I, I think that that's something. I mean, it would have to get to like a catastrophic point. I mean, and plus we're really well. Yeah, because in theory we should be better prepared this time, right? I mean, we we the, some of the issues that we had the first time around, you know, we'll have more testing. We'll have more supplies, you know, we'll have a more of an awareness of what needs to be done and how to properly handle that stuff. So I don't see things shutting down again. Um, I think it what what you worry about if your theaters is not so much shutdowns, it's consumer confidence. So Attendance. I th- yeah, I think that you know, you can be open, but that doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to show up. Now, we've seen some encouraging signs at least in the short term of, um, you know, people willing to do things, right? Vegas reopened and people flooded Vegas, you know, beaches reopened, people go to be, so if things open, people, you know, if they open, they will come type of deal, you know, but that's short term. I think we'll, you know, we'll have to see what happens. Um, I just, I don't see that whole thing collapsing. I don't see yet a time where, you know, everything's going to eventually go on demand, but, uh, I think the next couple of years are going to be very telling as far as now that mm-hmm. we've been introduced to video on demand at home I mean, not to introduced. I mean, it's been around for a while, but now that we've been introduced to the idea of watching movies at home and having them available at home, how much of that sticks around? Like how much do they play around with that? Do we start to see movies now having even shorter runs in theaters? You know, maybe that's the beginning of this. It may not be things go directly to VOD, but it may be that. I mean, look, when years ago, movies stayed in theaters forever, right? And that was always my argument when I would get annoyed that Titanic had beaten Star Wars, right? For the the box office (laughs) record, I used to bother me to no end. I, I resented Titanic and still do to a point to this day over that. But I mean, Titanic was in theaters for like six months, You know, like if you look at the way Titanic was performing, like, you know, it was still doing huge numbers like six months in. That doesn't happen anymore. Now movies get like a three month run and really it's the first month, month and a half is where it's making most of its money. And then you give it a couple of months and then it's showing up on digital and then it's showing up on Blu-ray and then it's eventually showing up on like, you know, TV and streaming services. So do we get to a point where we start to see much shorter theatrical runs. I mean, that's possible where a movie comes out maybe for like a month in the theaters and people just rush out to it and cause they want to get that experience and then it moves on to VOD and maybe still has a theatrical run. I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of things are up in the air right now. A lot of things are going to be changing and evolving um, for various reasons. I think some because of the state of the, you know, pandemics and all of that stuff. But also I think some things are going to be changing just because they were going to change regardless mm-hmm. um, because they were heading, we were heading in that direction and maybe this will expedite that a little bit, but I don't know. I, I think that I just, I don't, I'm not ready to sit here and say, even as somebody who's been an advocate for, you know, streaming at home and whatnot, I don't know that I'm ready to say that like, Matt Reeves, the Batman is going to be like a direct to VOD type of thing. You know, I don't think we're there yet, but I mean, who knows? Mm. Yeah. 
I, I mean, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think, um, to your point, the past couple of months have opened the doors and there's been lots of opportunity and, uh, flexibility and, um, for studios to, you know, play both, you know, the playground got bigger for them. You know, they can play with their toys in in the theater or they can play with their toys on VOD. Um, and so they'll, they'll be making, you know, some calls based on that stuff. I mean, I think if they are pulling together a movie and maybe the projections don't look really good in terms of its success at the box office, to your point, Chris, limited run and then boom, VOD, right? right. Um, maybe to some point a, a, a smaller purchase or, or whatever. Um, but you know, for films like, for films like these, I think, uh, it's going to change the dynamic of the theater experience in that people are going to want to still view blockbuster films like Batman, like Star Wars, like Marvel films in the theater, um, for better or worse. So, um, you know, we'll see, I think, I think we'll, we'll have to pay very close attention to, um, uh, Wonder Woman eighty four. Let's see how that does. Um, and that's out in October, so you know, well, hopefully by then things will be in better shape. Sure. But, um, there isn't really anything else <clears throat> blockbuster worthy, I'd say. Tenant maybe, but but you know what I'm talking about. Like I'm talking right. about those cultural moments um, that demand everyone's attention. So yeah, I mean. Hey, just to wrap this thing. By up, the way, um, Aquaman yeah, okay. two was the other DC movie that I was forgetting. That's coming uh, out in the next couple of years. Yeah. Cool. So, so, yeah, we shall see. Yeah, and speaking of streaming, Aaron, I know you're going to be particularly excited about this. Um, uh, um, HBO Max on July first is going to be bringing back the I saw this. Superman <laughs> movies, so you can watch <laughs> Superman for the Quest for Peace all you want. Yes, sir. You can try to convince the family maybe that it's a really good film. I will. Yeah. I will because it was all about, uh, you know, well, I think I think we need Superman 4 in, in these times. Yeah, right? yeah, that's what you're going with? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, HBO Max on July 1st is going to be re, uh, bringing uh, Superman the movie, Superman 2, 3, Superman 4, The Quest for Peace, and Superman Returns. And they also announced that um, those movies, along with Watchmen, Wonder Woman, uh, BVS, and Justice League, and Suicide Squad, will all be staying on the service until December 2020. So uh, it's seemingly HBO Max has just decided that they are going to stick to their guns and they are going to treat HBO Max more like HBO and less like Disney+. Plus where it becomes this permanent hub for all things like Warner Media related. And they're going to treat it more like HBO where things come and go. I mean, it remains to be seen which model works best. I mean, ultimately, it's still going to come down to the original content anyway, which, you know, they're they're working towards. But I do think that that's an interesting philosophy. And I do think a big part of that is just because they still have DC Universe as a thing. So until they figure out how to eventually merge those two services together, you kind of have to do that, right? I mean, you can't have all of your DC Universe content on HBO Max as well and expect people to double dip. Um, and, and in fairness, Disney Plus has removed titles. Of course they have, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, this this approach to but this is like uh, I mean they huh. they seem to be wanting to remove titles much more frequently. Much yeah, yeah. there's there's definitely going to be a a heavier rotation. Yeah. Um, which is fine because HBO is negotiating, you know, distribution rights on their, uh, you know, on their, sure. on their uh, streaming services. Yep. So it makes sense to keep those things moving. Speaking of which, a movie that I never expected to see pop up on Disney Plus did, like, I think this week. It was Fantastic Four. Josh Trank's Fantastic Four. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, it did. Oh, yeah, it did. And I was like, oh, wait a second. That should have been on Hulu permanently. Like, um, <laughs> But um, yeah, it's it's gonna be interesting to see, you know, how how quickly things move or don't for for either of these services. I am definitely in a place where um, I'm gonna have to pick and choose um, these days what what service stays on and what what goes yeah. away. I mean, I think um, that's everyone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think Disney Plus is a staple. Yes. For me, not not just because I have kids, but because of Star Wars. I mean that and, and the Marvel stuff. That that is like my thing. And HBO um, Max, I've been getting more into. Yeah. Um, and just watching old, older stuff that I didn't. I was like, oh, holy shit, they've got this. Yeah, I, I think I'm gonna check that out. Um, so I'm I'm excited to see what what uh what continues to evolve yeah. with these services. And I would assume that as we get closer to the Snyder Cut, you know, official release that you would they would want to have BVS and Wonder Woman and Aquaman and uh Man of Steel and all that on the service, right? It would make sense you'd want to have all that on oh, yeah. there. Oh yeah. You know, like a month before just so people can if they feel like, you know, I doing the binging. binge experience. Yeah, and you're going to have people that are probably new to the whole thing. I mean, I'm sure that there are a lot of people that are now aware of the Zack Snyder's Justice League. Maybe, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they're going to want to catch up. Maybe they haven't either seen Man of Steel in a while or BBS in a while, or maybe they just aren't that familiar with this version of the DC universe and they're, you know, you want to catch them up. So I'm sure even if they go off of the service on December 20 uh, in December, um, they'll probably be back sometime around the time that Zack Snyder's justice league pops up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. speaking you guys, of, if you oh, guys, go no, go ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say, if you guys have HBO Go, yep, can you log into HBO Max? So, if you have HBO Go, that means you have a subscription to HBO because HBO Go is basically you have to have a cable subscription or a subscription yeah. through like a service to to get HBO Go. So, yes, so anybody, I believe anybody who has HBO, right. Depending so on I your would service, log in with my Verizon um, uh, username, I don't. Right? I think certain cable companies. I think like um, I think well, obviously AT and T did, but I, I think certain cable companies. I don't know if it was Charter or if it was Comcast or maybe all. If you have HBO through them, then you got HBO Max. Like you have access to HBO Max automatically. Um, you would, yeah, you just have to check to see, I think, um, whether, you you know, your H now, if you have HBO now, which is the standalone HBO, like if you just want to get it Mm -hmm. like a streaming version of it, um, that 
now is like direct linked to HBO Max. So if you had HBO Now, you automatically got HBO Max. And I think eventually they'll merge the two services because HBO Max basically has all of the HBO content. It's it's essentially HBO yeah, Now so with everything else added on to it. HBO Now turned into HBO Max. Yes, basically. Yeah. So yeah, so so basically, yes, so ba- basically, no, no, I mean, and I mean that in the, in yes. the literal sense, like yeah. on my Apple TV, it was like update HBO Now, and then yeah. it turned into the HBO Max logo, and the interface and all of that stuff. Yeah, Mm-mm, which was no guys, different. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and log in with my Verizon FiOS account. Uh, I guess I'm just I'm just confused tonight, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All this confusing stuff. I like one on one. Yeah, it's so. Uh, I mean, navigating that that the streaming landscape nowadays is getting uh, a little hairy. And there's like there's like really good. I mean, Netflix is also winning a lot of my attention. Um, yeah, same, same. I'm watching, watching a lot of like documentaries. And okay, stuff like so that. hold on, just before. So if you have uh, Verizon Files is one of the companies that if you already have HBO through them, you get HBO Max access at no extra cost. Holla! Yeah, I see that now. Sign in through your TV or mobile yep. provider. There you go, Vanessa's crip walking. Uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. Crip walking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Queens. Uh, oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> um Okay, so speaking of streaming, uh yes. there was big news uh, and I think we've mentioned that or maybe we didn't mention I know you and I spoke about it. No, no, it was on an episode. Did we? That Cobra Kai which was originally created for the YouTube Red like video streaming service, which was like a premium video service that YouTube was trying out that they've, I think now since given up on um, the Cobra Kai was now being shopped around to, for their third season for, uh, you know, to different services. And it was, I think at one point between Netflix and Hulu. And it was just announced uh, last week that um, Cobra Kai will be moving to Netflix for season three, which is very exciting news because, uh, there are not a lot of people there. Are, I know there are a lot of people that would watch this show if they actually didn't have to have, you know, pay for the YouTube streaming service to get it. And now, I mean, Netflix, obviously, with hundreds of millions, over 100 million subscribers, uh, pretty much the whole world now will be able to watch this great show uh, for no additional cost. Uh, and it'll raise the profile of the show. And that's pretty exciting. I'm very pumped up for season three of that. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, I'm surprised that Hulu didn't pull out all the stops for this one. I would have thought um, that they would have wanted a show like this. Uh, but hey, whatever. Netflix, Hulu, I, I subscribe to both. So at the end of the day, I still win. Um, I Yeah, I, I'm, I'm all for it. And the way that season two ended, <clears throat> I need some more <laughs> Cobra Kai. I need me some more Cobra Kai. And then there's like, and then I think, uh, so that was already in the can and they were doing what a substitute. Dan, did you totally say this a subsequent season? What do you mean? Like, as in like, so season three is already done and that it would, they would do another season on Netflix. 
Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, I saw something. Well, that makes that. sense. I mean, I'm pretty sure that totally. they're not going to pick it up just for one last season. And well, I mean, you never know. Netflix has been a little picky with their stuff, but I would think this is part of a a bigger. You'd want to yeah. you'd want to have that show live on your service for at least a couple original seasons. I would think. Sure, sure. So, um, yeah, I'm stoked, man. I love Cobra Kai. Vanessa, you uh, you catch Cobra Kai? You ever watch that? I haven't seen it, no. Yeah, but... gotta catch it. It yeah, starts off kind of corny. I'm not even gonna lie. It's it. I mean, but that's what it is. I, I wouldn't even See, say it starts off kind of corny. It is corny. It is a corny ass show, but it's a great in its show. own way. It's a nice I mix. Wonder, I wonder if they will they put the previous seasons on Netflix yeah, I because would think so. one yeah. of I would assume so, right? Because one of the reasons I didn't want watch the show it was mostly because it was on youtube yeah and I, i'm i like don't go on youtube i it's not like i don't like it it's just you know there's so many places where we we get our content right and you, you can't hit up all of them you kind of have like your top three netflix is in my top three and i feel like i would be more uh, definitely interested in watching it if it goes on Netflix for yeah. sure. Uh, but I would like a way to catch up and watch, you know, the first and second season. So I love that it's going on Netflix uh, because I've heard such great things about the show. But it just, I just never brought myself to YouTube to watch it. Yeah, I mean, it's a and YouTube Red was really a fringe product. I mean, I happened to when Cobra Kai season two debuted. Uh, season one debuted. I happened to have YouTube TV at that point, which is their live streaming service. They're um like they're they're you know over the top streaming service. So you got YouTube Red with that automatically, and it was integrated mm. into your menu and stuff. So that's how I watched it. And then I wound up having because I would go in and out of YouTube TV for um for sports. And it just turned out that I would I had access to YouTube TV um, when Cobra for Cobra Kai season two as well. I mean, the one nice thing was you could get a free month of YouTube TV and watch Cobra Kai and then cancel. But that's out now. But uh, but I have Netflix anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But yeah, it's, I'm, I can't imagine. I would think that they will probably and this is just a guess, but they would actually I would think it would make sense for them to put up the first two seasons in advance of season three debuting, right? Cause I think that there's going to be a, I mean, you're talking about a much bigger audience potentially for this than you had yeah. before. I mean, there are still, so I still talk to people every day about this show that love the karate kid and have no idea that it's a thing or they, maybe they heard about it and just weren't sure about it and didn't even know how to access it. So I think the minute that that pops up, like right on that first screen there on, on Netflix, they're going to get a lot of clicks. Um, so yeah, mm -hmm. I would think that it, it would have to, they're definitely going to have all of that up there. For sure. For yeah. sure. I will definitely watch it a hundred percent. I'm, I'm, I'm basically just on Netflix nowadays. It's like Netflix or <laughs> I watch some reality TV shows, which everyone will probably make fun of me if they knew. Sorry to hear um, that. But you know, that's that's life. Yeah. Uh, what reality TV shows do you watch? Oh boy. Oh, I love a lot of Bravo reality TV shows, like Real Housewives and stuff. You know. Oh, that's fine. That's all good. I was gonna say yeah. you watch like I don't know, Married at First Sight, which I've which I've yeah. fall, fallen victim to. <laughs> 
I don't <laughs> I don't even know what that is. However, I did recently when the stay at home orders first started, I did watch The Circle on Netflix. I don't even know what that is. Which was just wild, and I binged it in like a day. It's it's a it's a reality show, social media experiment. These people hole up in this like apartment building, and they have social media personas, and and they have relationships with each other or like friendships with each other, but they never see each other. So they can use whatever avatar persona or pictures that they want. And some people are not who they actually say they are. They're just pretending to be someone else. So, like, a guy can pretend to be a really hot girl. Oh, uh, boy. So, like you know who's fishing. in each. Yeah, so you know who's in each room. And then uh, each week, I think, they vote off somebody. And uh, then at the end, they choose a winner. Like, they each have to rank each other. So, like, if there's four people left... They have to rank like, okay, I put him in the first spot, I put her in the second, and then based on all of those votes, there's a winner. Um, it was really good, and it was on Netflix. Mm. And Netflix is kind of also going into some of these like reality show realms, you know, which is which is very interesting. And I've noticed just because of how much stuff I've been watching lately, they've also been promoting a lot of foreign shows and foreign films. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it comes up differently you know, for different people's feeds, but I've just been exploring Netflix a lot. So the, anything that comes to Netflix, I feel like if I watch that little preview in the beginning and it looks somewhat interesting and I have time, I'll just, you know, and and we have so much time right now working from home and stuff like that. I'll just say like, why not? Let's, let's check it out. You know? Cool. Just so you know, uh, to, to finish this up, uh, Cobra Kai, the first two seasons will be debuting on Netflix later this year, and then season three will debut at a date to be determined. So, great, perfect, perfect. There was there was another show on uh, YouTube Premium. Yes, was uh, Step Up. Yep, High Water. I think that was picked up by Stars. It was, yeah, yeah. Because what happened was YouTube basically. they decided to to end their subscription service, which was YouTube Red, and they went with mm-hmm. like an ad supported model. So they're still going to have content, but it's going to be ad supported. And at that point, they got out of the scripted TV business. So, yeah. um, you know, but there was some value, I guess, to a couple of those shows, and other services decided to jump on it and pick it up. So, I guess everybody mm. wins there in that sense. Uh, let's see. So I guess we should talk a little bit about since we last week, we talked about the 25th anniversary of Batman forever. And sadly this, uh, week, um, Joel Schumacher, the director of Batman forever and Batman and Robin passed away at the age of 80. Uh, he had Mm -hmm. a, uh, it was apparently he was battling cancer And, yeah. you know, Joel Schumacher had a, a fascinating career because he, he directed a lot of movies, but he his claim to fame is always going to be those Batman films. Like, I yeah. saw, like, almost every headline that I saw was, like, Batman like, director Batman Joel director. Schumacher. Yeah, yeah you know, dies at 80. And, I, you know, I mean, 
look, we know what Batman and Robin is and what Batman Forever are, and we know about the bat nipples and we know about the, you know, the the bat, you know, ass shots and things like that that yeah. we got in those movies that are weird and, and whatever Batman and Robin was, basically a toy commercial um, and all of that. But, um, you know, Joel Schumacher did have a, a pretty distinguished career. I mean, he, he directed, you know, Flatliners and The Lost Boys and St. Elmo's Fire, um, you know, Cousins and Time to Kill, uh, a eight millimeter, you know, movie that, um, yeah. you know, yeah. young Joaquin Phoenix and James Gandolfini, obviously Nicolas Cage and Catherine Keener and that. And um, he and DC Cab, which is a guilty pleasure of mine. It's not a good movie. I'm not going to sit here and tell you it is, but I I have always enjoyed DC Cab. Um, if you ever want to see a cast, you know, it's so eighties, it came out in 1983. If you ever want to see a cast, I mean, young comedians, right? Like Bill Maher, young Bill Maher's in it. Um, you know, Gary Busey's in it. Um, you know, Adam Baldwin, uh, it's just a lot of people in it. Marshall Warfield, uh, Paul Rodriguez. I mean, and these people are all just, you could tell they were living the eighties in this film because mm-hmm. everyone seems to be out of their mind. And it's just kind of, and Mr. T, of course, is in it. And Mr. T, I was just going to say. Yeah. Holy and those shit. brothers, what the heck were those brothers? The Barbarian brothers, those big twins, they were like power lifter, like twin, uh, whatever. They was an 80s thing. Anyway, they were in it. Peter Paul. Yeah, there's and a. David Paul. Yeah, you go. Yeah, but they had a knee. I don't even remember what their name was, but they were like a gimmick in the 80s. But yeah, it's so, it's so 80s and it's, it's not a, necessarily a very good movie. But um, it's a movie that I, I've always had a, a fondness for, uh, as far as like '80s comedy goes. So I mean, he's the guy's made a lot of, he directed a lot of films, uh, and but I mean, his Batman films are are going to always be a big story for him because he's the guy that took over the Batman franchise from Tim Burton, you know, and Batman right. had not been a live action movie franchise at that point. And it was a cultural phenomenon at that point. And, you know, he took it over and, you know, was really acting in the interests of the studio. I mean, you know, Joel Schumacher, unfortunately with those movies was doing for the most part. I mean, I don't think the studio was saying put nipples on the bat suit, but I think the studio was clearly directing him to lighten it up try to make it appeal more towards kids, uh, mm-hmm. try to sell some toys, you know, um, and happy meals and things like that. And that's what he did. And, you know, he took it to an extreme with Batman and Robin, you know, clearly didn't bother researching the characters, especially the villains. I mean, he did good work. Like some of the Bruce Wayne stuff in Batman forever is really good. Like the character work. And he really actually dives, I think more into Bruce Wayne and his psyche in Batman Forever than even Burton did, um, mm-hmm. and and really, um, I thought he he did well with that, um, you know. But again, Batman and Robin happened. Uh, the really nothing redeeming about that film. Uh, it's everything in that movie is a misstep. But you know, I mean, look, the guy was hired to to do a specific job, <laughs> and uh, you know, I guess he he did what he could do, but. Um, but he'll always be remembered as that guy that, you know, I'll remember him as the guy who directed, you know, DC cab and the lost boys and St. Elmo's fire, yeah. uh, and eight millimeter. <clears throat> and, you know, many it, will, it's kind of funny because up until a couple of years ago, I didn't realize that he was the same director that did lost boys. 
Oh, because because right. he he only stuck out to me as the Batman director because it was such a big deal when I mean that was yeah. one of the more one of like in our lifetime right one of our uh, like first like high profile director changes that like a lot of people knew about. I mean if you think about it, even back then, right by the standards of the nineties, like the early to mid nineties, like that was like big news. Like I remember, and I mean, this is before social media and Twitter and, and, you know, before, you know, news like this was readily available and scoops and rumors. I mean, I can remember when it was announced that Joel Schumacher was taking over as director of Batman. I mean, that was a very big deal. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, Rest in peace, Mr. Schumacher. Yep. Yeah, I uh, I was really sad sad to hear that, and um, you know I think um, people's celebration, you know, last week and and the week before of uh, of Batman Forever have kind of put put it into uh, into a you know they've, they're shedding some new light on on yes. their their love for that film and that's that's great and apparently there's a um and i i learned this this week there's apparently there's like a 165 minute long cut of batman forever that really yeah i didn't know anything about this and i i mean i've seen people and some of it is tongue-in-cheek <laughs> saying like you know release the schumer uh um, schumacher <laughs> cut but uh i mean apparently like he and I, i'm gonna start to look into this more but like apparently he yeah like he claims he claimed that the studio kind of hacked it up a bit and it doesn't surprise me i mean warner brothers has had a history of doing that with their superhero properties and uh clearly they were very paranoid after batman returns uh, about those batman movies and the directions that they yeah the directions that they wanted them to go in so uh and it's amazing that i feel like it's taken them until now to start to realize they need to back off but Mm -hmm. um but yeah so that was uh yeah it was just sad that i mean i mean we were just celebrating you know the 25th anniversary the previous week of of batman forever and now you know we're talking about the passing of the director um Mm -hmm. but uh yeah, so hopefully, um, you know, people will start to maybe now look at his uh, entire filmography um, instead of just uh, being the Batman guy, you know. Right. Um, one final thing, I think final anyway, uh, was that it looks like a J.K. Simmons confirmed that he filmed his next appearance as J. Jonah Jameson, and apparently he expects to do another one. So, of course, I mean, when I mentioned this to you before we started recording, your first response was, well, that's got to be Venom. And then you mm-hmm. were like, oh, well, maybe Morbius. And it's like, well, it could be both. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. I mean, clearly that that little uh, cameo at the um, in the post-credit scene uh, was not just to get people talking, right? I mean, that was right. there was something to that. So we'll see where that leads. Yeah, I'm not surprised by this one bit. Um, and with, um, you know, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse uh, also, you know, expected to come out in the near term. I wouldn't be surprised if he voiced J. Jonah Jameson in that. Um, and he becomes that like ever <laughs> the never ending thread between all these Spider-Man films. It'd be very interesting if, if that's the... 
if he becomes the Nick Fury for these uh, for these films. So um, I'm cool with that. I mean, a lot of people loved, you know, um, loved his cameo, and and of course with Michael Keaton's uh, Vulture popping up in Morbius. Uh, you'd expect there then to be J. Jonah Jameson and and uh, and obviously with Venom on the horizon, uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, mm, that that's so funny. I was just uh, I I love anything J.K. Simmons does, but I was I just watched a really funny movie that he was in. Um, shoot, what was it called? He was he was his girl's dad. And she goes missing, and oh, it was called All Nighter. Okay, I don't think you guys I've... ever seen this movie. No, it's with it's with J.K. Simmons and uh, Emil Hirsch, and uh, Anna Lee Tipton and Taryn Killam is in it. Um, there's there's some other recognizable people in it, but it was really funny. I think it was on Netflix. Here we go again. Netflix. I think it was on Netflix, but I think anything he does is so funny. And in this movie, he plays just his sarcasm, you know, his innate sarcasm, I think is what makes him so lovable. And he just shoots it straight. And, uh, I just love how serious he is, but also not serious. Huh? Yeah. It's, um, it looks like it had a limited release, like very limited release in theaters for like a week and then went to uh, <laughs> yeah. went to video. No, it was purposely uh, probably for like because they have to do that. Um, certain there's certain things that require you to release a movie in theaters if you wanted to like be sold in certain stores or be considered for like awards or whatnot. So they gave it a week limited release and then it was uh, video on demand at that point. So. Yeah, it's it's not it's not like a you know super great movie, but I thought his performance was really funny. So I don't know, it's a, not, nothing to do with this, but just made me made me think of what I just watched. I always remember him from Oz. Yeah, in the show on HBO. Oh. Yeah, that's just disturbing. But um, yeah, he's brilliant, and now he's the farmer's guy. Yes, yes, it's amazing how old. I was like, "Damn, man, you work that bad? What?" Well, he's been all over the place. I mean, he was going to be Commissioner Gordon. I mean, he was Commissioner Gordon, but he was going to be like the DCEU Commissioner Gordon, right? And obviously, that's now. I just that may be a thing again. Well, maybe, maybe not. I mean, who knows anymore, right? Right. I mean, if Keaton's Batman is going to be Batman, it's not going to be. J.K. Simmons. Um, yeah, I mean, you Gordon, don't, you don't right? know that. What if? What if? What if <clears throat> the Flash brings Keaton's Batman into this DCEU? Well, there would. That's probably exactly what's going to happen. I, well, yeah, I guess that's true. So yeah. 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 I guess it depends on how where they go with that. I mean, does he bring him into this DCEU? Does he? create a parallel I, yeah i guess it really all depends on which yeah which way they go with that uh possibilities are endless my thing is do they wear does he is he going to at least be Wear's temporarily suit. wearing the batman 89 suit which is still my favorite suit or is he going to wear like a an updated version hopefully still as cool um with the yellow oval we'll see yeah maybe yeah 
Yeah. Ooh, that that's my favorite part of Batman. The yellow oval. No, just just seeing how they change up the suit oh, and yeah. uh, all of like you know the the Batmobile and the gadgets and the armor. I really, I really like that. Yeah, I think that that's something that uh, somewhat it's unique to Batman. Like every movie. Yeah, because I, I almost feel like um, the Batman suit becomes like, like it's almost like the new Bond. You know, it's like or, or if they, you know. Uh, you have like a like Michael Myers when they would change the mask. I mean, it's bigger than that, obviously. But like sometimes things like that become like a real cool part of like the history of the character, and people get excited about seeing what's the suit going to look like. It doesn't happen with every character, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, no, people don't get as excited usually, about like what Captain America's suit's going to look like. Usually, it's like the initial unveiling of what they're going to wear if we've never seen this character before like with Aquaman right everyone was like what's his you know suit going to look like how how is he going to look how is it going to work but I doubt in Aquaman 2 they're going to come up with something new and say this is the upgraded version right and Uh if they do then they're following in the footsteps of you know Batman which is which is understandable, but what's been consistent with all of these movies and the actors that have taken over in each role is that you get to see that upgrade. I think that's one of the coolest parts about following, you know, Batman and and the whole franchise and all of the movies is you get to see how it's upgraded each time. Not a lot of people have that. Yeah. In Aquaman 2, if he wears anything other than the classic, suit that he came out with at the end of Aquaman 1 then that's a fail so that's that's I don't want to hear anything else that's that's the that's all I need I want a whole movie with that outfit but yeah I mean and I also think the suit for Batman um can also give you an idea of somewhat of the direction that they're taking with the character Mm. um because it does it does usually tie in a little bit to to that. So, yeah, I think it's um, it's a cool part. So we'll see. I'm just curious to see. Um, I mean, we're getting way ahead of ourselves, obviously, now. Because, I mean, we've barely gotten to see the Robert Pattinson suit, right? I mean, we've gotten mm-hmm. bits and pieces of it. We haven't seen, like, an official shot, like, that's clear, you know, other than, like, it's not in darkness or not, like, a little side thing or whatever. Um, so this one's a couple years away and, um, I'm just curious, do they, do we get like a, um, more of a Dark Knight Returns, um, like, you know, kind of, uh, robotic almost style deal, you know, to protect like an older man or do we get something, um, closer to... Batman 89. It's going to be interesting. Well, it's been it's been mostly all black. We haven't seen the yellow in a really long time. What do you think if if let's say the yellow logo shows up now, what do you think that means? Like what direction do you think that would take? Um I I don't know. I mean, I don't it, it, like for the Keaton thing, I I think that it would essentially just be more for like a nostalgia thing. Um Mm. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, it could be cool to differentiate. I mean, again, I think it depends on what they do with it. You know, he is going to be 
older at this point. So I don't know that it makes a lot of sense to have him in a traditional bat suit. Um, cause you know, he would be like 70 or something like that. I think at the time that the movie comes out, not that they, he has to literally be 70 cause he looks good for his age, Michael Keaton, but, um, he's going to be older either way. And I mean, there's a reason why in like the dark Knight returns, I mean, he doesn't always wear the, that big battle outfit, for the whole thing. I mean, technically, he even wore something like that in um, BVS because of the, the stakes, right, fighting Superman. But um, I don't know. I think that uh, I would like to see them have the yellow oval because I, I obviously don't think that you're going to have it in the Batman and the Matt Reeves movie. So it would be mm-hmm. nice to have, like, one character that has it and one that doesn't uh just to you know kind of differentiate a little bit give it a different vibe we haven't seen the i mean since batman forever right we haven't seen the yellow oval in a movie no mm-hmm. so yeah <clears throat> it'll be really cool just to see that color again or, or a nod to it you know cuz we're we're not used to that yeah it it's always gotten like darker and you know more armor or more militaristic right uh yeah more more grounded right because yeah if you're more tactical more yeah yeah well that's what i was gonna say i mean like if you're batman you can't be running around with a yellow emblem on your chest i mean in reality (laughs) right you can't be running around with a yellow emblem on your chest and say i'm like you know, part of the darkness because I'd be like, dude, I see that yellow circle. <laughs> like, what's that floating yellow circle in the corner over there? Oh, yeah, it's just well, yellow book. represents caution, right? No, is uh, that too far of a stretch? Yeah, I don't. Okay, okay. <laughs> but I see where you're going with it. <laughs> it is. It is the color of caution. Yeah, and school buses, cool. <laughs> Yeah, and don't forget, I mean, he didn't originally... Have, I mean, the yellow oval came a little bit later. It wasn't even originally a part of the character. Um, but, yeah, I, I like... I Again, I, I love the Batman 89 suit, um, like, a lot. And that just, like, that opening scene where, you know, he comes down, uh, it's just so awe-inspiring, like, to see it. Because it's dark still, like, and obviously the suit is black and... Um, I mean, they kind of did with, um, with the rebirth, DC rebirth, they did this like hybrid, he's got got like a yellow outline, so it's not the yellow oval, um, which is, I I don't know that that makes more sense (laughs) than having Mm -hmm. the oval, but, um, yeah, I guess we shall see. It's one of those things, one of those fun things. That you, like, as well, fans, then, that we can like sink our teeth into and get all goofy about and geeky about, and uh, you know, that's why we have a couple to look forward to at yes. least. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. At least. <laughs> uh, all right, so I guess we can get out of here, right? So, yeah, uh, you can head over to thefanboygarage.com, check out our uh, episode archive. You can check out our merch store which should be getting some fresh designs added to it um probably by the time you hear this right or maybe a little after uh and you can of course join the conversation on social media 
Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at the Fanboy Garage. Uh, you can find me kind of on Twitter at Real CL Mighty. I'll let Banana take it. Oh, I just changed my Twitter username to Banana underscore TFG. Since I really don't use Twitter for my personal self anyway, I've kind of converted the whole thing over to us. Um, so if you guys want to tweet any questions at me, you want to respond to any crazy thing that I said tonight or last <laughs> week um, or in the future, feel free to find me on Twitter at banana underscore TFG and uh, I will be there. Cool. And you can find me on Twitter at AA Ron Speaks. That is A underscore A underscore Ron Speaks. Again, thank you guys so much for listening to episode 101 of the Fanboy Garage. Uh, as Chris mentioned, lots of new things popping, a uh, new brand that you guys should be noticing right now, as well as uh, a couple of new things in the merch store. So check that out. And uh, thanks, as always, for the support. Catch you guys next week. You're listening to the Fanboy Garage Podcast. 